And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Bean. My name is Joe Pascalia. Thank you all for joining me on this pre-wild card round podcast leading up to the Bills going up against the Dolphins for the third time this season. The first time they played them, week three, was a Dolphins win. Some extreme heat going on in that. The second time they played, the Bills won in week 15 by a score of 32-29. to And now this is the rubber match, although a lot of the things that are happening to the Dolphins kind of make it into a matchup that we haven't seen yet this year. You know, you have to start right with the injuries and and everything along those lines because the Dolphins are, they're in a tough spot at the moment. No Tua Tungavailoa, their quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, their backup quarterback, is dealing with a pinky injury and is officially questionable for the game. But the Dolphins named third string quarterback and rookie Skylar Thompson their starter. This is the second straight week he'll be starting. He won that electrifying 11 to 6 matchup with the Jets in week 18 in order for them to clinch a playoff spot. And yeah, he's every bit of a rookie quarterback and a third string player, so the, the Dolphins have to try and get through that. But on top of all those things, one of their best pass rushers, Bradley Chubb, he is questionable and really played, I think under 20 snaps against the Jets because of an injury. So he's a little banged up. Then on the offensive side of things, no Raheem Mostert, the running back. Their offensive line is in tatters at the moment with the their star left tackle, Taron Armstead. He, at the very least, has a shot at playing in the game. Did not play last week against the Jets. And the whole book on him is that he revealed this week that it was suggested to him to have a season-ending surgery after week one. And he has continued to try and get into the lineup, has been in and out of the lineup all year. If you look at the injury report for the Dolphins, he has four different injuries listed. And he said he's doing everything, I think the term was, working around the clock to be ready for Sunday. So even if he plays, is he going to be the the same top-tier left tackle that uh, the Dolphins traded for? You know, that, that remains to be seen. But it's not just him. Their left guard, Liam Eikenberg, who has not had a good season and is a liability in, in pass protection, he is doubtful due to an injury, didn't practice at all. Brandon Shell, the the right tackle of that uh, that they used as a replacement after one of their offensive tackles went down with an injury, Austin Jackson, he 
has also not practiced the entire week, although he is listed as questionable for the game. Kendall Lamb, who is a backup offensive lineman, also listed as questionable for the game. So the Bills could be going up against a pretty uh, patchwork offensive line. So that's why I'm saying it's when you look at all of the different factors in this one, there's there's a lot of reasons as to why uh, as to why there is a certain level of confidence about well not not from inside the building, meaning that they are sure that they're going to come away victorious against the Dolphins. But there is a a certain level of confidence throughout that uh, the Bills aren't going to suffer one of those upsets um, in, in the first round of the postseason. There are probably more dangerous teams out there to give some other teams a, a, a tough game. So remains to be seen how uh, how the Dolphins come through. And we'll, we'll get into some of the the intricate pieces of the matchup because I do think there are some some ways that the Dolphins can try to cover up for all that ails them and ways that the Bills can absolutely exploit the Dolphins and be able to make it a somewhat comfortable game. So we'll get into that. But I did want to start with like some bigger picture items for what the Bills are going into with uh, with the postseason. You know, we... We know all the details at this point. The Bills are the second seed. They will, as long as they defeat the Dolphins, they will host another playoff game next week, whether that's against the Bengals, who are the three seed, or against one of the Chargers or Jaguars. It's going to be one of those three teams because the Chiefs are already qualified for the divisional round. They get the bye, and the Chiefs will either go up against, as long as the Bills uh, as long as the Bills advance. The Chiefs are either up against the Ravens if they beat the Bengals or the winner of the Chargers-Jaguars game if the Bengals win. So it sets up for a huge matchup. And regardless of who the Bills play in the divisional round, it's going to be probably a, a, a lot tougher of a game. And the Chargers, weird, weird team, but still have some really talented pieces. Jaguars, also kind of weird, still have some really talented pieces. And and it regardless, it, it would be a challenge. And then the Bengals are just a in a completely different stratosphere, which could lead to and you know, I think a lot of you remember how how we broke down that Bills Bengals matchup heading into the Monday night game, which wound up being about anything but the game. And that was a pretty huge thing. So we know the pool of teams that the Bills would potentially play in the divisional round and where it would be. And then we also know that the AFC Championship game, if the Bills were to advance to that and the Chiefs were to advance to that, it will be in Atlanta, Georgia at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I think that's the official name if I don't. My bust. Um, I used to have the, uh, the email. I must have deleted it, so I... My bad on not having the exact title of the dome, but um, it is the uh, it is an excellent facility. Not an open air stadium, so if it, if Bills Chiefs is there, that could be a lot of fun just from a viewer perspective. But if the Chiefs 
do not get past the divisional round and the Bills do, then the AFC Championship game is in Buffalo against either the Ravens or Chargers slash Jaguars. It's probably not the, <clears throat> not the likeliest of outcomes given the paths and who will probably win, but, you know, there's at least a shot that somebody goes into Kansas City and, and shocks them. I mean, if it's the Chargers, if we really want to go down the rabbit hole, let me, let me get over to uh, the Chargers history because I do think that Justin Herbert has fared pretty well against the Chiefs from what I recall, just on the cursory. Um, and like I said, they're a weird team and they just just got found out that they um, they are going to be without Mike Williams against the Jaguars after they played him in a meaningless week 18 game and he's going to be out multiple weeks. So that's a huge loss for them. Not really sure what they were thinking there. But the Chargers have lost by a combined six points to the Chiefs in two games this season. They lost in Kansas City, week two, 27-24, tight game. Then in week 11, they lost at home by a score of 30-27. to In 2021, they went to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs 30-24. to Then lost by only six points later in the season on December 16th. And then I'm trying to remember, 2020, Justin Herbert's rookie season uh, at Kansas City, uh, it was also a win for them, although it was the final week of the season. So don't want don't to look too much into that one, especially with Kansas City, you know, probably being in a pretty good spot at that point in the season. But it's it doesn't seem like Justin Herbert is necessarily afraid to go into Kansas City. But that's... That's like a, a micro point. The, the The broader point is that the Bills absolutely have a conducive path to getting all of the things that they aspired to do in the offseason leading up to this pivotal year. They have the potential path to get all of that done. Is it Difficult? Absolutely, because I think the AFC is a, a lot tougher of a road than than the NFC. But I do think that the Bills being able to have it either exclusively in Buffalo or in Buffalo and at a neutral site where they don't have to deal with the elements in Kansas City or the crowd in Kansas City, and really the uh, the overall bad vibes of having their season end there for the last two years. I think that all helps. So from a macro perspective, the, the path is there. And, you know, Bills, Bengals, if it ends up happening, that's going to wind up being a coin flip and just one where you want to be at home for that matchup. And it might give you the edge you need in that sort of matchup. So we'll see. But, you know, for what it's worth, 
I know the Ravens are not going to be are not going to have Lamar Jackson. But what I will say is that the Ravens have an excellent defense. Not just good, excellent. And I think that the way that they can kind of contend with uh, the way that they can kind of contend with with the Bengals, I do think that they'll have a shot in that game. Early in the season, they beat the Bengals 19 to 17. Obviously, this past week was not a good barometer of what the Ravens might be able to do because they sat a bunch of people. They wound up starting a, a third stringer at quarterback that wasn't any good. So if they have Tyler Huntley, I think I think they at least have a chance in that game to kind of be that surprise win. I don't know. There's just the Ravens are just the the kind of don't get don't get uh, sucked in sort of team. It's a no one is expecting them to win that game, even though they have a team talented enough to steal a game, even with a backup quarterback. I don't know. Just it's just a big old for what it's worth. I'm not sold that the Bengals absolutely run away with that game. It could happen, but you know, I think I think the Ravens are, are better than people are giving them credit for. That's just me. So the regardless of who wins that game, the Bills have a pretty solid path to get where they need to go. And on a micro perspective, looking at how it's trending for them right now. I mean, this is this is as healthy as this team has been in a long time. And they're getting players potentially back in the next few weeks, maybe. You know, you look across the roster, I mean, not not really many guys even missed a day or were limited in practice. The two guys that that missed time this week leading up to the Dolphins game were Jordan Phillips, who didn't practice at all because he's been dealing with a shoulder injury for, I feel like, the last few weeks. And then Isaiah McKenzie, who injured his hamstring in practice on Wednesday, didn't practice on Thursday or Friday. Other than that, it's smooth sailing for everyone else right now. Quarterbacks are healthy. Running backs are totally healthy. Wide receivers outside of McKenzie are healthy. They just signed Cole Beasley to the active roster, which was a move that, you know, they they probably thought to themselves that they were going to do once they got into the postseason. I do wonder if maybe it was like a uh, like something from a from a cap perspective, just because the salaries become a bit more limited than than what you would do in the regular season for a lot of guys. So, yeah, I do I do wonder if um, if that played a role into why they waited. And, you know, when he was asked by a <clears throat> when Sean McDermott was asked by a handful of reporters, did the Beasley signing have something to do with uh, Isaiah McKenzie getting hurt? It, McDermott's response was more more or less like, you know, it's kind of a a big picture thing as opposed to just right here and now. And so I <clears throat> probably think that had some sort of allusion to the salary cap and not really wanting to tear too much farther in, into the the rollover cap that they had have and and how much they have to um, 
how much they'll be audited based on incentives that are met, that aren't met, everything like that. So it all, all plays into the puzzle. But wide receivers, mostly healthy. They're top two, very healthy. Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Tight ends, healthy. Offensive line, healthy. Um, the only offensive lineman that was on there, I think, was Roger Saffold because he got a vet rest day. None of that. They're good. Defensive line, defensive ends, good across the board. Defensive tackles, like I said, Jordan Phillips, he, he didn't practice. But, you know, I still think since it's the playoffs, there's a chance that he plays. He's listed as questionable. Linebackers, healthy. Cornerbacks, healthy. And they're going to wind up probably making someone inactive that has given them some legitimate snaps. And then at safety, they uh, Poyer is, is good to go. And Dean Marlowe, who stepped in as the starter last week, is, was, not on the, um, was not on the injury report at all. So it's just all the way across the board. And then on top of things, Micah Hyde and Jamison Crowder had their 21-day practice windows opened this past week. And if you've been listening to this podcast since November and and reading uh, some of the stuff I've been putting out there, this Micah Hyde news is not a surprise to you. Because back in November, when Micah Hyde, when they went to Detroit for the Browns game, he was doing some on-field workouts with the strength and conditioning staff that is not necessarily indicative of a player that's done for the year or that at least thinks that they are done for the year. So just a couple days later, I went up to Micah Hyde and asked him, is there a shot? And he said, I would love to, I would love to, we'll see. And then something along the lines of, you know, historically, no, but those are other people and other situations. But ultimately, it's up to the doctors. That was his main message back in November. And it's he's just had a steady ramping up of work along the side. And it's just like, every time you saw him, you're like, he's trying to do something here. And, you know, players are usually optimistic about wanting to get back. And um, historically, coming from the, the neck surgery that he did, it's probably not going to happen for a lot of players. But... Micah Hyde has said since then that he has felt great and his doctor has since cleared him to practice. And I know you're probably wondering, okay, so when could he play? It wouldn't be against the Dolphins. We know that for sure. Ruled out completely. He just got back to practice after a very long layoff from September. So no shot. Cincinnati game, if they wind up playing the Bengals in the divisional round or whoever they play in the divisional round, when asked today, recording this on Friday, when asked today about it, Sean McDermott ruled it out, said, not not next week, not going to happen. So that sets up for a conversation about the AFC championship game, if they were to make it there, and or the Super Bowl, if they were to make it there. So Josh Allen kind of made it uh, made a comment early in the week saying, you know, we just got to do our jobs to allow Micah Hyde the time to get back to us. And that would just be a humongous lift to their defense. And this defense, I mean, 
even though they're without Von Miller, without Micah Hyde, they have played really well. And I think it's the play in the middle of the front seven that has stood out the most with the defensive tackles, Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones, and then the linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. And I'll even throw Taron Johnson in there as well because he's the de facto third linebacker at nickel corner because they play him so much. They have done such a great job to steady everything, even amidst all of the injury losses that they've had and some of the question marks at cornerback and throw safety Jordan Poyer into it as well. Those five guys have been great this season for a lot of the year when when they were healthy. Then Greg Rousseau, on top of that, he's had a really nice second season. So this Bills defense, which is fourth in DVOA according to Football Outsiders, if they were to get Micah Hyde back into the lineup by the time the AFC Championship game comes around, that is a humongous boost. But it's not a guarantee. It's not something that the Bills are necessarily banking on. And they have to handle their business even to have this conversation. But it's at the very least possible. Which should uh, be pretty appealing to everyone out there. Especially everyone listening that are likely Bills fans. Because Micah Hyde is is a game changer. And you add that to whether it's against Mahomes or against Justin Herbert in the AFC Championship game. That is a potentially game-shifting addition to their defensive lineup. That's how good Micah Hyde is, has been, and how much he means to the defense. Same thing if the Bills were to make it to the Super Bowl. They go up against a team like Philly with those two wide receivers that they have and you know, having as much of a threat as Jalen Hurts is, you know, having Micah Hyde back there is just a humongous addition. So that's a big old wait and see. But like I said, you've been listening to the pod. You kind of knew that this this could be coming down. And it's here. He's practicing. And the Bills have 21 days to decide whether or not to add him to the active roster. And they do have a spot for him. Jared Maiden is currently on their 53-man roster. He is the fifth safety on the 53-man roster behind Poyer, Dean Marlowe, Cam Lewis, and Jaquan Johnson. That's an easy one-for-one if they need a spot. Not as easy to find a spot for Jamison Crowder, I will will admit. And he's someone that could be like a, a sneaky addition into what they're trying to do this postseason, but... I think they might need an injury to be able to to do it. Either an injury or they decide that it's not in their best interest to put Micah Hyde on the uh, 53-man roster. Or if they decide it's not in Micah's best interest to put him on the 53-man roster. Because he is under contract for 2023. So they don't want to force him back in just just for the, the championship run, but... Certainly seems like, certainly seems like uh, Hyde is pushing <laughs> to to play. So I think the Bills would probably need an injury for Crowder to get back 
to the 53-man roster. I just don't see a spot right now because it's either guys that they depend on, on offense, defense, or special teams, um, or, you know, they play their pretty critical depth at a position, even if they're inactive, that they would want to keep. Guys like Tommy Sweeney, Ike Butker, um, what am I thinking of? Uh, another like a, a sixth or seventh linebacker, um, a sixth cornerback like Christian Benford, who was inactive last week. They're not going to want to cut one of those guys. Or it's it's a player on their rookie deal that they likely wouldn't want to get out of at, at this point in the year. And I'm, the only one I'm thinking of for that is Balen Spector, the, the rookie linebacker who's been active for most of the season. He's under, still under his four-year rookie deal. I do think that they have um, visions of him kind of taking over for Tyler Matakevich next year because Matakevich is a free agent and they don't have a ton of cap space to spend on special teams. So I think they would probably want to keep Spectre as opposed to add Jameson Crowder to the active roster. So it would be it would have to be someone suffering a multi-week injury that would not be able to get back in time for the Super Bowl, and they would have to put him on IR. That that is the the spot for Crowder. So because they still have Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, even though he's going through a hamstring injury right now, Khalil Shakir, Cole Beasley on the active roster. They've got John Brown on the practice squad. They've got Keyshawn Johnson on the practice squad. Very unlikely that they would use Keyshawn Johnson in the game, but um, and they also have Tanner Gentry on the practice squad. So it's not as though they are absolutely hurting to put Crowder on the active roster, but I think if there was a way that they could do it and if he's ready to play, then then they would like to, but you know, they they're just not going to force it, I don't think. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So outside of the, like, outside of the, the couple of things, like this, this team is trending up. They're playing well. They're playing well defensively. The offense has really gotten it going. Um, from weeks 11 through 18, their, their running game has been explosive, and it's made them into a multifaceted offense. And Josh Allen the, has been... Good, sometimes inconsistent, sometimes bad ball placement or decision-making, but for the most part, good. And there has to be a belief that once he gets to the postseason, he just kind of takes off like a rocket because he he plays up to the moment. That's that's very much a quality of, of Josh Allen that, that we have seen become a very core element to his fabric as a player. Saw it as early as 2019 Thanksgiving game. I refer to this game all the time because I really felt like that that was Josh Allen's like arrival where he wasn't just this scattershot um, quarterback with a huge arm and, and great running ability that he could actually put it together and rise to a, a moment where not only the Bills were kind of counted out, but on a national stage. He 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 loves those games. So that's why you would have to think that his playing level probably picks up once they get to the postseason. So it all adds to it. Like the Bills, they've got a great formula going into this. And seven-game winning streak on top of it. You know, it's uh, everything that they hoped that they would be heading in. You know, obviously they hoped that they had Von Miller and Micah Hyde, but outside of that, everything that they hoped to be is starting to come around and trending up. Like the offensive line's playing better. Tredavious White's playing better. Still have a question at the second cornerback spot, but outside of like one, maybe two spots on the offensive line in the second cornerback spot, the Bills are pretty solid almost everywhere oh and the the second safety spot so yeah it's um it's trending up so it starts against miami and we'll have to see exactly how they look and whether or not it it impacts their divisional round game if they should advance 
to the divisional round. But the Bills could not have asked for a better opponent slash warm-up round. Not warm-up round. A better opponent in the first round than, than the Dolphins. If they had to play it because they didn't get the bye, being able to, to do it at home, to secure another home game the following week against a team that's severely banged up and has really struggled over their last several games. And some of that has been injury-induced, but you know the Dolphins just won against the Jets 11-6, but that snapped a five-game losing streak for them to be... Eight and eight, and on the cusp of not making the playoffs. You know, the Bills probably would have had a tougher time against the Steelers had the Steelers made it, because I think Pittsburgh was trending up as well, and their young quarterback Kenny Pickett was was playing better. So yeah, sometimes you just need a little bit of luck and things to fall your way to make a run in the postseason, and and I think. Potentially, as long as the Bills handle their business, this this would qualify. So what about this matchup makes me believe that the Bills have a distinct advantage? Well, we'll get into the, uh, the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour in just a little bit. But when you look at the line, the line initially came out at, what was it, 10, 10 and a half. And then after that, it kind of drifted down into nine. I remember clear as day. I think it was Wednesday. The line, I I woke up and I checked it just because, you know, you want to see trends of, of what's happening. And, and it went down to nine. And I'm like, huh, do people think that two is going to play? And then just not even a couple hours later, the news came out that Skylar Thompson would likely be starting the wild card game. And then basically... At the snap of a finger, the the line was up to 13, 13 and a half. And that's pretty much where it has persisted um, for the rest of the week. Like, let me let me look at it right now just so you get a live look. This is it. exactly at 5 o'clock on Friday, uh, January 13th. Friday the 13th, what up? The Bills are currently 13 and a half point favorites over the Dolphins. And if that concerns you at all, just because it's like, whoa, that's a huge line. You don't want to get into the territory of the Dolphins, you know, thinking that it's them against the world, that sort of thing. Like, I get it. I get that that's, that's, a, that's a line of thinking. But um, one of our uh, stat gurus over at The Athletic, his name's Aaron Reese. He used to cover the Texans for us, still does some Texans writing. Um, he's now mostly an editor. He uh, puts together a nice little like stat pack for a lot of us writers. And one of the things he, he put on there was that the, um, the Dolphins-Bills game, of course, having a spread of, of over 10. Since 2000, and this is according to True Media, since 2000, there have been only eight other wildcard round games with this large of a spread. And the favored team in those games 
is 7-1 against the spread with an actual record of 8-0. So history over the last 21 years is very much on the Bills' side here. Again, that's a take it for what it's worth if you believe in those sort of things. But the Bills have a lot of uh, a lot of things working in their favor, just from from that perspective. And then you look at the individual matchups. I mentioned the offensive line. I mentioned the quarterback. That's a situation that everyone's going to be talking about. Um, but the way that the Bills match up with those guys is also pretty conducive to the Bills having a uh, a great day on defense. And you wouldn't think it because they have Tyreek Hill, they have Jalen Waddell, but the Bills had a really good plan for, for those guys, even though Tredavious White wasn't fully up to his standard. And he has since had a great game against the Patriots and seems like his confidence starts starting to be getting going here. And they had Tredavious White shadow Jalen Waddell the, almost the entire game the last time these teams played in Week 15 and then had like an, an over-the-top uh, team-based help defense on Tyreek Hill on the other side or wherever he lined up. So they were very cognizant of where Tyreek Hill was at all times and they made sure that uh, whoever was directly in front of him had help. But that also plays into the Dolphins not having um, the Dolphins not having Tua Tungavailoa or even Teddy Bridgewater. So, in order to optimize the, in order to optimize what the uh, what those two receivers can do, then the Bills are going to or the Dolphins need a quarterback that can get them the ball. Not necessarily sure that Skylar Thompson is the guy to do that. Now, I will say, upon going and watching the film of that game, he is better than what I was expecting based on what people were saying on Twitter. Live arm has the ability to get out of the pocket. And when he's on his first read, he can make some, make some throws that make you go, whoa, where'd that come from? And I would be willing to bet that it happens against the Bills at least a few times. But he's also very limited. I mean, he's a young player. And Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, they have had a great career record against first-year quarterbacks. Especially ones making one of their initial starts in the NFL against them. So those guys, they know how to confuse a young quarterback and especially one that shows on film where he's usually throwing to his first read. And if you knock him off his spot, then things start to go a little haywire. So I would not be surprised if the bills are more compelled to send some additional blitzers and help utilize what, uh, help utilize their pass rush in that in that way. I think in general 
getting to him is going to be the key to them having as much much success and potentially forcing turnovers, everything along those lines. But the only way to do that, to force him to be this overwhelming piece to the to the puzzle, they're going to have to limit what the what the dolphins do um, what the dolphins do on the ground. That is the the biggest thing the Bills defense has to focus on because they can because the Dolphins will want to run it a lot and take some stuff off Skylar Thompson's plate. They're not going to have Raheem Mostert, but Jeff Wilson is one of those guys where he just craves contact, and if you don't go to wrap him up, then he's going to be like, all right, cool. I'm just going to plow right through. That's his game, and he can turn a, a very you know, medium gain, small gain into a big gain by doing just that. So tackling will be very important for the Bills, but... All in all, if they can limit the run and take advantage of all of the weaknesses across the Dolphins' defensive line and force Skylar Thompson to be a a bigger piece of the game plan than maybe the Dolphins want him to be, then that's setting up for shortened fields, setting up for additional points. Because I do think the Dolphins have a good defense. You know, their, their front is excellent. Christian Wilkins, Zach Seiler, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Melvin Ingram, uh, Raekwon Davis. All of those guys, I think, have made them into a a really good run-defending unit. And especially with how much they blitz, I think there will be opportunities for them to frustrate the Bills maybe a little bit more than you might be expecting for for a game that has such a large spread. But I think where the widening of the score margin might come into play is once the Bills kind of force the uh, force the Dolphins into passing a lot more than, than they wanted to. So that's why, that's the, the nuts and bolts of why this is just a game that the Bills should probably win and why these individual matchups lean in that way. So it's a it's a really interesting matchup just because you know the Bills need to the Bills need to prove that they can put away this Dolphins team that that they're so heavily favored against. But you know from watching the Dolphins, seeing how banged up they are, and you know they'll probably give a good fight early on because it's the playoffs and they're not just they're not just going to lay over, but. I do think that the Bills' overall depth, their talent at multiple positions, and the matchup disparity at those positions, and the overall explosive quality to the Bills' offense, even going up against a a solid Dolphins defense, or good Dolphins defense, excuse me, I think eventually that talent for the Bills will win out and get some scoring drives. And then once you factor in some shortened fields in the equation, that's that's where things kind of start to pick up here. So... Getting into the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour, the Bills favored by 13.5. Total on the game, 43.5. So I will take the Bills to win this game. 
outright. I don't think that's necessarily a surprise to you, considering how you've heard me talk about uh, <laughs> talk about this matchup for the last 40 minutes. But I also take the Bills to cover. And I think what I was talking about, once they kind of limit what the Dolphins can do on the ground, and then force Skylar Thompson and build up a little bit of a lead, maybe like 7 to 10, 13 points, something along those lines, and then force Skylar Thompson into a catch-up mode, that's when I think the Bills will have the opportunity to really make this make this into a, a pretty big lead. So I'm going to take the Bills to win. I'm going to take the Bills to cover. And because I think the turnovers will be a factor for the Dolphins, I'm going to take the over in this game. Not by a lot, but I'm going to take the over since the total is 43 and a half. And I think the score I went with on my prediction is 34 to 13 to the Bills. So yeah, it should be a game that that uh, ultimately the Bills call theirs to clinch a a second straight home playoff game and, you know, being one fourth of the way to the ultimate prize. But, but yeah, it, uh, they couldn't have asked for a, a better first round matchup. I will say that just the way that they match up, how injured they are, everything like that. So if the bills wind up losing that game, then that's going to be a, an epic failure based on everything that they've done so far this season. But I think uh, for the most part, you should be feeling pretty good about the matchup and and where things could go with with this one. All right. So that's going to do it for me. Uh, Thank you all for listening to this pregame episode for the Bills to take on the Dolphins in the wild card round. The next time you'll hear from me will be right after the game to wrap things up, whether it's a season ender or probably not, but or a postgame edition to see, okay, exactly what the Bills have in store. And pretty sure, because the, the Bengals and Ravens are playing that Sunday night, we'll know a pretty good way into the podcast whether or not it's going to be the Bengals or if it's going to be whoever wins that Chargers-Jaguars game on Saturday. So, as always, should be fun. So thanks, everyone, for listening. My name is Joe Biscalia, and we will talk to you after the game on Sunday. See you then.